Hello, friends, and welcome to the Everyday Truth Podcast with Kurt Skelly. Our purpose is to show you that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're glad you joined us here for the conversation as we're challenged from the book of 1 Samuel to let God lead. Now let's hear what Kurt has to say. And welcome back, my friends, to today's episode, brand new chapter, Everyday Truth, 1 Samuel chapter 30. Got a full, large Dunkin' Donuts coffee with four creams. If you just tell them coffee with cream, they put in four creams for a large coffee. So just a little tidbit there for you. We are in, as I said, chapter 30. And John, you and I were talking just ahead of the uh, recording this morning, just how rich this chapter is. Oh, this is, Pastor. I know as we finished our last episode, you talked about jumping into this chapter and have one of your favorite verses in here. This is just a classic chapter and it's a great Great principles that I often go back to in my life as I walk with Christ to remind me about following Christ and being faithful to Him. David has been so faithful in this season of confusion in his life where he has the clarity that he has been anointed of God, but the confusion of, well, Lord, it's not unfolding the way I thought it would unfold. He was anointed to be the king. And yet for all of these years, he's hunted as the king's enemy. He's right at the end of that journey. And things kind of get worse before they get better. So with that in mind, let's look at chapter 30 and verse 1, where the Bible says, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag. So let's remind each one of us, you know, Ziklag. Remember, Ziklag was kind of that adopted city of David and his men, given to them uh, by Achish, the king of, of Gath. The Philistines are marching toward the battle against Israel and Saul, and David has been relieved of his responsibility because of the suspicion of the other Philistine lords. So he's coming back, presumably, to his family, to a place of rest. No doubt the soldiers themselves are relieved that no, nobody's going to perish in battle. And this is really going to be a study in contrast. It sure is, Pastor. I'm sure they're full of hope. They're ready to get home. You know, They have been on the move now for a little while. And now I'm sure they're just eager, eager to get back home. And you and I talked about before, whenever David went to the land of the Philistines, it was not a wise move. And now we're going to see many months later when there are going to be some repercussions for what David has done. He comes back to Ziklag. And as you mentioned, this is going to be a great stark contrast for what they were hoping to find and what they do find when they come home. Look at the irony uh, as it unfolds here in the first few verses. So they come to Ziklag on the third day. That just meant that their, their journey has taken that long. And watch what happened. The Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, and smitten Ziklag, and burned it with fire. So I have to imagine that as David and his men were making their way towards Ziklag, they saw the clues of Ziklag's destruction long before they arrived. They had to have seen the smoke. They had to have 
had a, a hurried step as they realized something has befallen our loved ones. You know, the Malachites were just marauding bands who would go around and prey upon people that they viewed weaker, who were weaker than they were. And I'm sure you're right, Pastor. They have seen some of the devastation. Uh, little do they know all of that will befall them when they come back. Uh, but this would not have been atypical of how the Amalekites operated. Is it not ironic, though, John, that Saul had the responsibility to rid the land of the Amalekites? And remember, he had compromised, and due to that compromise, really had lost his his opportunity to continue to be the the, the king. And Samuel had had rebuked him for that. And now the Amalekites are the the enemy that is knocking on the back door. They sure are. And it reminds us enemies that are not taken care of, if we don't deal with them, you know, just with finality, often they'll keep coming back, creeping back in. And that's what happened in the time of the judges with a lot of their enemies. It's what happened now during Saul's reign. And now we do find the Amalekites, you know, they are feeling like they have some power about them. To attack now, obviously Ziklag, the men were gone, but still, yet they've been attacking this area around here, and they are a force to be dealt with. The the enemy that we wrongly think that we can control today is the enemy that will dominate us tomorrow, and no doubt when Saul kept Agag alive and some of the Amalekites, he was thinking, oh, what threat will they ever be? And if, in the moment, none. But time has a way of taking our pet sins and turning them into monsters. That's a great observation and a great reminder to us, Pastor, that we cannot just play around with our enemies who want to destroy us. I'm thinking about sin, particularly different sins that want to come in and destroy us. And I think even in Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about it as we run the Christian race to lay aside those besetting sins and, and even the weights that might pull us down. Things that in of themselves may not be wrong, but if we allow things to encumber us about, it's going to detract us from following Jesus Christ. No, for sure. Look at verse number two. They, they had taken the women, the Amalekites did, and captives that were therein, they slew not any, either great or small. So they kidnapped everybody, killed nobody, which to me is just God's grace, but carried them away and went on their way. So I guess that's bad news tempered with maybe good news. Bad news, I mean, obviously, if you're a soldier, you've returned home and these wicked marauding, to use your word, John, people have come in and kidnapped your wife and your children, then, I mean, the imagination can only go to the most awful place. You know, what is going to happen to them? This is uh, the worst possible thing I can imagine, short of their death. As without doubt true, I'm sure as these soldiers get back now, and you know, they, they're, I'm sure they're tired physically. They've been now traveling. This is the third day. They come back home hoping to see their families. They now find their families are kidnapped. I'm sure their minds are just racing as anybody's would. You know, what, what has happened? You know, how have they, what have they done to my loved ones? This has to be a very devastating day for them. And we're going to see just how devastating it was. Verse 3, so David and his men came to the city. Behold, it was burned with fire. All their suspicions were confirmed. Their wives, their sons, their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him 
lifted up their voice and wept, and this is so descriptive, until they had no more power to weep. So these are grown men. These are grizzled veterans. These are men now that have been hardened by battles. These rag, this ragtag group has now turned into a formidable force. They fought people like the, Keli, the Philistines at Keilah. Uh, they have, uh, th- you know, they were willing to go to battle at Aphek. I mean, they they have um, they have hardened themselves to the rigors of war, and yet this news brings them to their knees. You're right, Pastor. These were some tough men. They were mighty warriors for David, and now they come back home. And, and I just think of the emotion that must have gone through their system as they come back and see everything go, and they just. They just are weeping and weeping. And as you mentioned, as you read this text, what a description. They just they just wept until they have no more power to weep. These men are just drained now, you know, emotionally. They are spent. They are just devastated at the loss they have experienced. You know, some of you have gone through profound loss in your lives. And just think back to that. Think, think back to those times in your life when you cried and cried and you, you were all cried out. You just couldn't, you, were, you, were, you wanted to cry, but there were no more tears left. That, that's David and all of the men. It's a time of profound depression. Verse number four, uh, verse number five rather, and David's two wives were taken captives. So David was not exempted from this tragedy. And then it lists his wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, not only because of everything we've already read, but watch the exacerbating factor here in verse 6. David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. So to add insult to injury, David is suffering the loss of his wives, uh, any children perhaps that, that already are um, alive. He, he's suffering just like these men. And now to add insult to injury, the men are blaming him, which is really unfair. But when people are grieving, they make irrational choices. And you're looking for some object where your grief or your anger, where your frustration can be focused upon. And that's exactly what's happening here. It sure is. These men, you know, they, they look to David. They are blaming him. They have been following him. He's the one that's led them wherever they have gone. They have been loyal to him. And they are just devastated at what has occurred in their life. And you're right, Pastor. When we go through difficult times, it is often easy to lay blame on leadership even though leadership is not solely responsible for what's happened. You know, I think even, you know, I don't get too far afield, but I think even in politics sometimes people blame the president when sometimes the president really is not even the one who bears upon that issue. But they got to blame somebody. And so let's blame the leadership. And that half, half, it happens in businesses. It happens in ministries. And here it's happening with David. And what a sad day this is. I think if I place myself in David's shoes, I mean, here David's been loyal. These men, they've worked together. They fought together. But now they're so distraught. David knows they're thinking about stoning him. That had to be a devastating time for David. And it's really gray because there is a case that you could make that David is responsible. I mean, David did 
lead them to the land of Philistia. Uh, David did play that manipulation game. Uh, David did settle on Ziklag. Uh, David was the one that led them away from Ziklag to go fight against the, you know, apparently against the Israelites. So you could make the case that David bore culpability here and even more culpability because he was the leader. On the other hand, it is a bit disingenuous for the men to say, well, you know, let's stone David. It's his fault. They're grown men. They made their choices. They of their own volition came and joined themselves unto David when they were in a really bad situation, discontented and in debt and disenfranchised. So I I can see both sides of it, but at the end of the day, we are accountable for our own choices. Yeah, we certainly are, Pastor. And I think how that David had taken these men, as you mentioned, they came to him. They were a ragtag group. But David, in poor, he poured his life into them. He invested his time in them. When they came to David, David was a great war, warrior already. He was hardened in battle already. These men were not necessarily. But David took them. He helped lead them into being a great fighting machine. So David had poured his life unto them. And yes, David made unwise decisions beyond doubt. Uh, and these men, they follow David. But it g- does go back to personal responsibility. If our leadership does something that's not right, let, let, let's don't just follow them blindly. You know, let's put up some, hey, roadblocks and let's make other decisions. But these men now, you know, their only thought is, I'm sure their families are gone. We've been following David. We've been loyal to him. And now our families are gone. We've been out on this, you know, trek up farther north. And now we come back home. David led us. Let's blame David. And and this really is a dark day for David, that these men are wanting to stone him. Again, I just can't imagine what David is going through as their leader as he hears about this. Times of shared tragedy should be times that promote unity, not division. So the, the fact is, every one of these men uh, is going through the same thing. Every man is going through the same situation. They're all dealing with loss. They, they are all um, to the point of depression because of what they have lost. This, this tragedy ought to unify them, and what's happening is it's dividing them. And this, this happens so often in church situations and families, um, in other situations, jobs and so forth. And shared tragedy ought to be an opportunity not to cast blame or to look for a scapegoat. It ought to, look, it ought to be an opportunity to say, hey, let's, let's look inward. I think that's number one. Each one of these men could have looked inward and said, I've made some bad choices. Uh, but not just to look inward, but then to be solution-driven. Okay, It's easy to orient ourselves toward the problem. Hey, here's a problem. So let's cry about it and blame. Well, neither one of those things is going to solve the problem. Someone has to be oriented toward a solution. And what we're going to find is that David is oriented toward a solution, and that solution will be found in God alone. But that's all the time we have for today. So I'm going to stop this mid-verse, verse number six. We're going to come back to my favorite part of the chapter at the end of verse six next episode. And I think this will all start coming together if you'll hang with us. So have a great day. Uh, enjoy uh, whatever you have going on today. And then let's get back together next episode and uh, talk about what David did at this most depressing time. God bless you, my friends. 
Thanks for taking time to listen. If everyday truth matters to you, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.